On this episode, we're going to talk about the digital transformation of sales and marketing. With so many different platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and their purposes evolving daily, navigating social media can be, well, complicated. Welcome to the Social Media Sucks Podcast from Cupco. Social media. Social media. Social media. Really Where we unpack the latest trends and help remove the suck from social media. Welcome back to the Social Media Sucks Podcast by Cupco. You're, if you're experiencing fear of missing out when it comes to social media and marketing trends, then this is the podcast for you. We help you level up your marketing and business skills by covering the latest topics in social media and through inspiring guests. Before we get started, do us a favor. If you're not already subscribed to our podcast or to our YouTube channels, please do it now. It really helps us get this amazing inspiration and education out to more marketers and business people like yourself. And uh, let's get into today's episode. So with me today is Henrik Spender. And then, as always, our cowboy here, CEO, (laughs) Chris Carbonis. I'm always here. Hi, guys. And so today we're talking about this digital transformation that's happened in sales and marketing since we have so much experience around the table here i love that you said experience that's of good of course yes. what else would i say yes, that's good. <laughs> it's good that's good i do feel experience so. yeah exactly yes. so good. henrik let's start with you thank All you right. for joining us today thank you very much and can you please take us through your 30 years of experience within sales and marketing no definitely not <laughs> you don't have enough time because we don't have we don't have the time for like that a, uh, can yeah. you um give us the highlights of what industries you worked in sure, and then sure. what have you gained along the sure, way yeah well uh i started my career in singapore when i was uh, 23 mm. selling distributing heidelberg printing machines okay yeah That's that was that was before the digital uh, revolution. I don't even know what that is. You don't even know what that Printing is, machine, right? Printing that? machines. <laughs> yeah. Print? What? Offset what? print. Yes, yeah. magazines. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah, Singapore, Thailand, and the Philippines. How did you end up there? Like, what was the what was the catalyst for that? You just well, got I, a job there, and you're like, I really want to yeah, go to Singapore. Yeah. I started I started as an apprentice with a company which uh, used to be one of uh, Denmark's uh, biggest companies yeah. called East Asiatic Company. Okay. And that company hardly exists anymore. Yeah, mm. okay. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, one of the divisions was uh, graphic arts. So um, I was in that uh, division and uh, with the goal of, mm. uh, of uh, traveling and ending up somewhere nice. on the globe. I didn't yeah. know where. And uh, Just put a pin in the map. Mm-hmm. They put a somewhere. pin on, on the map and I ended up in Singapore. Singapore. With print. For like uh, three, four years, and then moved on to Manila for a couple of years, and then to uh, to Bangkok. Doing what? Still print Still or? selling graphic arts uh-huh. equipment, mm-hmm. okay. being in charge of, of that division. Yeah. And then uh, I moved on to, uh, to uh, Germany, where I spent around 12 years in the fashion and lifestyle. Yeah. Industry. There's a big change. That mm-hmm. was a big change, but yeah. you know, people always tell you that in this country it's very specific or yeah. you really have to, you know, do it differently in our region, but uh no, not my so experience much. is that it's uh, pretty much uh, pretty much the same. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, okay. it's it's a lot it's a lot about people. Mm-hmm. I mean, sales and marketing is uh, pretty much the same. Yeah. You have a lot of new buzzwords in marketing today yeah. but, mm. uh, but the constant is humans 
essentially. Yeah, like, it is, yes. Yeah. 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 And human so psychology. It's still, still the same. Mm. So I spent um, 12 years in, uh, in Germany in the fashion and lifestyle uh, clothing. One of the brands was Peak Performance. I think that's yeah. uh, quite well it's still, known. It's still here today. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Moving on from, from uh, wholesale to, uh, to retail, mm-hmm. opening up uh, own stores. So within sales, I have been both in, in wholesale, B2B and uh, B2C. Interesting. Yeah. Then I returned to Denmark and worked within a, um, a, a digital uh, setup uh, in the year 2000. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we had the first dot-com uh, bubble at that time. Yeah. And I was working for a, um, a company called Haburi.com. In uh, those days, and that was a uh, company uh, selling, distributing um, off-season uh, clothes and apparel. Okay. And uh, so, okay. so the dual value proposition, as that was the word I, I learned in those days, <laughs> uh, was that it was uh, you know a benefit both for the uh, for the brand owners and also for the consumers. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was before we had the the big uh, factory outlet centers around okay. the world. Uh, yeah, so uh, just some numbers uh, from from those days. Our I learned the word uh, customer acquisition cost. Yeah, uh, and uh, the customer acquisition cost at that time for for one customer was two hundred and sixty two thousand Danish kroner per customer per customer. Because uh, they're c- taking in all sales, all marketing, retail. We were shop. doing we were doing TV commercials. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the the customer acquisition cost was uh, was uh, the quarter of a, a million Danish, mm-hmm. and the cost for uh, for establishing the uh, the online shop. Yeah. which was never really working. That's another story. Mm. It was more than 20 million Danish. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's so a uh, that was the uh, infant stage of, yeah. uh, of uh, yeah. e-commerce. Mm-hmm. So, so early days were sucky. Like it was... It yeah. was yes. Yeah, you really had to, to... Invest. Well, and almost like belief, like almost like mm. a religious belief that this yeah. is going to right. pay off, right? right? Mm. Yes. Uh, and that's why a lot of, I think that's why you see a lot of laggards that didn't do it because they're like, mm, let's make sure that this actually <laughs> pans out before we go and spend 20 million because yeah. that was the cost. Like It, it was, was the crazy. cost and it was accepted. And I was actually, yeah. I joined the company in, in, in the last uh, period uh, of the company because uh, the burn rate, as we also talked about, uh, we had burned like 160 million uh, Danish uh, to set up the business. Just to get it going. Mm. And we were not calculating in uh, in sales and revenues. We were just, uh, it was just about getting orders mm. and the transactional costs, it really didn't matter. Mm. It was just about uh, building brand, building the brand, there. getting 100,000 orders uh, yeah. in one year. That was, yeah. uh, that was it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I think a lot of startups are like that. I mean, that's why you see they're capital intensive at the beginning. Specifically, I think fashion. I mean, we're talking about digital transformation here. I think that's the biggest difference nowadays is that the, you know, everyone and their dog are starting up their own fashion companies because the the uh, barrier to entry is so much lower now mm. than it was 20 years ago. Yes. Where you had to have factory contacts and design contacts and distribution networks and and all of these other things that you Mm. don't need today like you can kind of get going 
can even just white label off of somebody else's factory and design and mm -hmm. all that stuff. So yeah. it's uh, it's a much different setup now. Yeah. Right? And at that time, uh, we, we started hearing about a company called Amazon. Who? That was, yeah. <laughs> it's Chris's favorite website. Actually, it is my favorite world. website. I really love Amazon. <laughs> yeah. I, I do really love it. Sparkling his eyes when you hear it. I know, but it's, it's so like great. when dogs here like walks, they're just like. <laughs> they, hadn't, they hadn't been in business for, for many years at that time. So mm. that was one of the of the few benchmarks mm. we had. So, yeah. so that was my, my entry into the, to the digital um, yeah. age in the year yeah. 2000. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I've been, been with that, uh, followed that uh, since then. Interesting. For like, uh, yeah, 22 yeah. years. What That's are great. you doing now? Uh, I have, uh, after I've been, uh, I was then, um, I moved on to a, a few companies uh, in fashion lifestyle as mm -hmm. the CEO. Okay. Uh, Such mainly as? Uh, fashion jewelry mm -hmm. uh, and uh, luxury fur. Mm -hmm. I've also been uh, and I've traveled uh, around the world. My main focus has been as CEO has been uh, distribution sales uh, on an international uh, scale. Mm -hmm. Great. So um, seeing the world and uh, since yeah, well for about 12 years, mm -hmm. I, have, I have my own um, consultancy company uh, within fashion and lifestyle mainly focusing on international sales, uh, marketing, uh, yeah. and branding. Yeah, great. Interesting. Is, when you're working with customers or new clients within the fashion industry, is there a red thread of, of challenges that you see? Like, is there something that they come to you with, almost everyone comes to you with and says, this is the challenge, and you go, oh, that's, you know, that's this, or, or are they all very different, or is there something that's sort of equal across everyone? I think uh, the challenges uh, have uh, have changed a lot uh, in the good old days, and that's not that many years ago. Uh, it was mainly uh, about push. It was about distribution. How do I get into uh, Germany or Holland oh, yeah. or mm. whatever? Should I move on to China, uh, etc.? So that was very much about the distribution. Yeah. How do I do that? Uh, do I go the wholesale way? Do mm. I go retail? franchise, uh, what should my sales channels be? That yeah. was the usual question. Yeah, and, and And that, uh, that has uh, obviously changed a lot uh, yeah. due yeah. to the digital distribution. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah. now everybody's focused on, on, uh, on online business and uh, yeah. online seen together with uh, offline distribution as a... As but that's a, really interesting because um, let me hear you guys' experience on the industry transformation over the years. Let's just take off point in fashion and retail, for instance. Like, what have you noticed, Chris, within you know the brands you work with in this in in this field, and what have you experienced? What's the biggest transformation in like, the industry from a marketing standpoint, or yeah, from maybe, like yeah, I think maybe Henry can elaborate more on the well. Part. I think from the marketing standpoint, I've seen that it is. Uh, I mean, obviously, the invention of even faster fashion and um, sales in that way and trend sales have sort of increased. And the, I think the, the idea of doing even more aggressive marketing for that particular season or for that particular launch has, has increased a lot and mm. the, the share of voice. And obviously brands have used social media quite effectively. Fashion brands in particular, they've been pretty good at, at sort of maybe even being ahead of everybody and mm. sort of doing things a bit differently um, because it is a trend product in a sense then you get that they tend to be a little bit more trendy but that's been my experience with them mm. um, so far 
Well, I think we we should split up. Uh, we should split it up into two collections, uh, which could or product, which could be one area. Mm. Another one would be distribution. Uh, and if we look at at collections, and if we start, let's just say the timeline starts at year 2000, where where the online business starts uh, developing mm. uh, slowly, and not that successfully. Mm-hmm. At that time. Uh, Uh, collections uh, used to be uh, typically uh, twice a year, mm. two main collections. Yeah. And um, then we saw companies like uh, Esprit, which used to be really dominating the yeah. market, introducing uh, up to 12 collections a year. So right. taking the, the trends from, uh, from, um, uh, from other industries like uh, the fast moving consumer goods mm. yeah. and looking at uh, figures like um, stock turn which yeah. was not a subject no. in in the fashion business right. um, you sort of uh, just pushed on the responsibility to the retailer mm. you had a pre uh, pre-sale collection a sample collection you sold it in delivered the collection sent the invoice to the to the customer to the retailer and uh, you didn't really bother about the, whether the The apparel would would sell off, uh, would sell out. Mm. Yeah. So that has changed uh, extremely. So we have a, we have uh, more collections uh, a year. Now that has then changed in the in the past five years because of uh, sustainability, right? And because of, of the, the circular. Way, now it's going the other way around. Yeah. Now we're talking about uh, not fashion. Now we are not looking that positively at the companies like uh, H and M, right? And the way they introduce um, or Sarah having let's say 51 uh, new collection drops uh, ev- yeah. every year mm. so fast fashion is uh, is not that popular anymore but we, we really saw uh, that uh, most brands developed to start out with four collections a year and then maybe more yeah. and then the uh, the the brand owners uh, took more and more responsibility for the business. Uh, if they did wholesale, if they had a retailer in between, they started to introduce uh, NOS, never out of stock. Yeah. Mm. So not pushing 100% of the of the risk to the retailer, right? but actually carrying stock on their own risk, of course, of basic articles, which uh, wouldn't uh, go out of style, go out of style yeah. the, the black t-shirts, etc. Mm. So, um, so that, that uh, In terms of collections, we have I seen know, a lot of, no, of uh, that. yeah. <laughs> That's all I wear, really. Yeah, <laughs> no but now you also powerful. have to, you know, to flag whether it's uh, sustainable, uh, yeah. how it's produced. It is uh, it's fully sustainable. Right? Yeah, we, we don't have to talk. I about wear it for ten years. <laughs> So it's like, and that's uh, that's also that's also a sustainable way of thinking that uh, you actually wear the stuff uh, for a long time. Mm. Wanted to look vintage. I'm uh, I'm uh, you cannot see my boots today, but that's uh, that's uh, a ten year old MS uh, boots. Yeah. I've just had them um, resold uh, like uh, for the fourth time. Yeah, uh, that's good. So yeah. that that's sustainable yeah, business, uh, yeah. right? So. Um, Isn't that the way it should be, right? Like you buying, well, that should be. I mean, obviously there's things that people want in their collection and fashion changes, you're not necessarily. Yeah. But there's always these staples that you always, mm. you know, a nice, for guys, it's always like, yes. you know, some blazers, some, you know, khakis, like, yeah. you know, you're going to have things that are pretty standard. I think women have it 
maybe worse you guys have to change things quite a bit and like i don't know anything about women yeah. and in terms of and <laughs> woman i don't know nothing about woman <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah and in terms of collection how the how the collections have developed you also see a lot of secondhand uh, today right yeah, that's uh, term, yeah. uh, also online um yeah. secondhand um, yeah. uh, retailers mm. so yeah. that that's also new and yeah. it's uh, it's actually a good thing to flag that you bought something uh, secondhand right yeah, yeah. so in the past, or like part of the distribution thing, which I think is interesting that you sort of alluded to, which is, you know, do you find that brands are coming back again full circle to being like they want to own their own site? Yeah, like they yeah, used, yes. it kind of went like own our own site. And then they realized, oh shit, that's not where people are. They're actually on the Amazons, yeah, yes. the ASOS, mm. the, the yeah. whatever sites, right? We're going to be there in yes. a big way. And then they realize, oh, but we don't have any customer data and we're missing a piece of the puzzle here. Let's go back to having our own right. channel. Right. Have you seen that or what's, I what's have, going on? I have, I have, I've seen it and I've lived with it and worked work with it. And again, let's start uh, in the year 2000, <laughs> yeah. where we saw uh, the, the online uh, channel as, as a new alternative channel. Uh, that of course had a lot of attention, uh, mm. but most people, uh, no, most brands uh, used to be in uh, in wholesale, mm. so mm. they were, were pushing the the risk to to the retailer. Uh, to the retailer, yeah. to the multi-brand retailer. So yeah. that was that was the usual distribution. If you wouldn't be a, a big a vertical right. retailer like H and M or Sarah, right. pushing it to magazine or Benetton or yeah. whatever. Okay. So that it used to be mainly a wholesale business. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the first thing we, we saw uh, was that um, that many brands, uh, medium-sized brands, um, decided also to go into uh, business uh, to consumer or to to into retailing. Yeah. Uh, typically, either their own flagship stores or uh, franchise models. Mm typically franchise uh, abroad where you didn't have the local knowledge mm, yeah so a lot of the concept stores were opened by by brands mm. in order to to get known because the problem obviously was that it was impossible to develop your brand mm. uh, i could also ask store. you a question could you mention uh, one just just one international uh, brand without uh, own retail without their own retail um this does Balenciaga have their own retail? Yes. Do they? I don't think I've ever seen a store. I I, I used to mention one example, and but but that's that's gone as well. That was Rolex. They didn't have it, uh, ah, they but have but then they started now. also. Yeah, they were selling through watch jewelers yeah. and watch yeah, stores. Exactly. And now they, so, yeah, but now they do have their own flagship. Right. So so but generally, yeah. let's say ninety nine percent. Yeah. Would have their own resale yeah. stores in that's order true. to build the brands yeah. or at least they would start to have uh, concessions, shopping shops with uh, department stores. Mm. Right? Yeah. yeah. So that's the only way to to be seen and to be in uh, 1A locations. Yeah. And that was the challenge. That was, uh, that was the transformation that uh, all streets across Europe or United States mm. or whatever, they would look the same. It would be vertical retailers. Yeah. So the only way to really be known and be seen and to build the brand would be either to go into the department stores uh, yeah. with concession models, various models, or open up your own shops either on your own or mm -hmm. with a franchise partner. Right. So that was that was a big change, uh, and at that time, many of, of of the brands they learned the hard way 
that it's not the same thing to be in retail as it is to be in wholesale, or if you are successful in wholesale, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a retail concept. Right. Yeah, and retail is also, I think, yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of like seen as a sexy thing to deal with. You're like, oh, I get to have my own space, and I get to do this, and we can do, con- and like you get into it, and you realize, holy shit, this is a lot of work and so oh. much overhead that and risk and risk, mm-hmm. and you're like, I got to sign a five year lease to right. be in this goddamn. Yes. So I don't even know if I'm gonna make it. Like, so, <laughs> but it is like that. Even if you're a big company, it's still like there's massive risk on the side of retail, and I think. Um, it's uh, it's interesting that some of that risk has gone away in some ways, um, right. and then it introduces other risks. But that's you know. but that was that was the big thing. Uh, the wholesale brands mm. they learned that uh, it doesn't mean that you can be a retailer, uh, no, a even though you're a good uh, good wholesaler yeah. and and the product range may be good for a multi brand environment. Yeah. But you need to have a co- completely different uh, collection uh, build up yeah. uh, if you are in uh, in yeah. uh, and your relationships change too, right? right? Like if you're a wholesaler and you're selling to multi-tenant or multi-sort of brand retailers, um, you've got to set up there where it's like, here's the MRSP, here's this, here's that. And then if you go on your own side and start selling stuff direct, right. then the the your, all your sort of relationships they go well are you guys gonna undercut us Mm -hmm. what's gonna be what is gonna happen here when you guys have a sale do we have a sale like because we want to make sure that you know we're not damaging the brand across different Mm -hmm. channels so that's also introduced when you start looking at your own retail so distribution wise it's like you know you have a triangle where on top you have your own concept shop uh, your profile shop mm. in the middle you have uh, concept corners or shop and shops with department stores etc and the bottom that's the main distribution that uh, would be uh, typically wholesale yeah into let's say a b or c retailers where you start to do some segmentation mm. and you can take exactly the same triangle and move that to uh, online mm. uh, because uh, that has then happened since let's just say the year okay. 2000 where where we started up uh, having our own uh, shop mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, we didn't really know was it was it a shop or was it mainly a a brand door where you showed the brands. Uh, right, right, yeah, yeah. Was what, what, uh, or could you do both? Yeah. Um, uh, was it for your for for your business partners or whatever? Right. And today we we see, of course, that it's uh, it's all e-commerce. Uh, but that yeah. at that time it was a little bit uh, fluffy. So uh, people started out opening up their own uh, stores and uh, or own web shops, and. Um, then it moved on to to the middle segment, the department stores uh, online. It's not called a department store online, but it's exactly the same. Uh, the Boost, the Salando, yeah. the uh, Amazon, uh, yeah. if, if that's the distribution you mm-hmm. want to go for. Uh, and that has become extremely popular. Uh, yeah. uh, just like the department stores used to be extremely popular yeah. uh, mm. 20, sort 30 of years ago. become the department stores of online if you want to put yeah. it that way right and so. then and with the same argument basically that if you are a not that well-known brand uh, if you are not represented in let's say germany as a danish brand well instead of opening up your own store and uh, losing a lot of money just trying to do that just go through boost or open up uh, uh, the the yeah. market online in mm. germany which is extremely competitive well go to the to the department store in Germany. In this case, it would be the online department store called uh, Zalando. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing uh, all about the uh, consumer behavior uh, in Germany, mm. knowing what sells well with your product, yeah. 
what the customer adds to the basket, what uh, is expected, what yeah, needs to be done. so much data you can retrieve now. Also because Chris mentioned that entry level is so low now, right? So right. I think there is also this shift within the brands that maybe you don't have to have a store. It's a good way at least to tell to test your brand right. and the sales to build up maybe. So so retail. I could I could as a Danish brand as an example, I would choose Salando. Uh, as a, as a marketplace, as, as a testing platform before I go to market in, mm. in Germany. Exactly. And I would even accept that uh, I would do that at, at a minor loss yeah. because I would build up a lot of uh, knowledge. Uh, it's the same thing with the department stores, the physical department stores. They have the traffic. Salando, they have the traffic. Yeah, so same. you just need to place your product in a multi-brand environment. Mm. Yeah. Of course, in a branded way so mm-hmm. that you can also select the, the branded shop at Salando. Yeah. But you can also do so, do shopping uh, together with uh, a mix of other brands, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, so that, that's basically the trend. And if I look back at where have I been completely wrong in my predictions, uh, I used to, to say that um, wholesale... Uh, uh, physical wholesalers, uh, they would uh, that segment would die. It would all be taken over by by change and uh, by the verticals, and uh, we wouldn't see any any multi-brand local multi-brand shops. Okay, but hey, uh, <laughs> look around and yeah. see. Of course, Still it's there. it's it's different. It's different yeah. shops. It's different concepts. It's new concepts. Uh, yeah, but uh, that business is is going pretty well. Still, yeah. right. Yeah, it's okay, and I think it's also, well, it depends. I think they, they've had to change their business model quite a bit as well and, and sort of also look at how do you, you know, how do you really capture foot traffic in, and also give an experience, right? I think department stores maybe previously were spending less money per square foot on nice displays and da 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 like besides maybe the big ones like Macy's or something like that in the U.S., Whereas nowadays they really see it as like, okay, we need to, we need to have a Joe and the juice in here and we need to like have, you know, this and we got to have the music going and we got to have like, and they've got to make it like an in-store experience every time you you come in. But you also need some incubators. You need also some young upcoming brands or labels Mm -hmm. in that uh, environment so that it's not... uh, same old, same all old. the same yeah. brands yeah. you see all over. Yeah. So, so that's that's one of the, the definite de- definitely one of the mistakes uh, I have made, and uh, some of the wrong recommendations I've also given to to my clients. That uh, I, I was firmly believing that um, wholesale selling wholesale that's not the way to build uh, your mm. distribution or your brand. Today, in two thousand twenty two, you see a lot of upcoming brands. They are focusing only. Uh, on uh, on uh, doing wholesale business, really? Still, isn't uh, that a, isn't that like indicative of sort of where we are in the world as well? That there's many different models, and a lot of them work. It just depends on obviously like each individual brand's expertise in that area right. and how they do it and what they put into it. But essentially, like if you want to be all online, you can be all online. If you want to be retail wholesale, you can be retail wholesale. Do you want to be? Right. You know, what I mean, like. It really just depends on what you want to do and what you're good at. But I, th- I think also it has to do with the fact that uh, it 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 has become extremely competitive online business at the moment. So if yeah. if I'm starting up a, 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 a small business, a startup, or if I'm a medium sized brand, the the cost of being there, the the cost of marketing, the cost of uh, of uh, of winning a customer, 
uh, the cost of being seen uh, mm. on social media, uh, on Google, etc., right, mm. has become extremely expensive. Yeah. So there's so, other costs surrounded by being online, and yeah, not only in yeah, physical space, right? right? It, it used it used to be pretty easy, but it has become uh, pretty tough. Mm. So if you don't have the the knowledge, if you cannot afford uh, an agency to help you with that, then uh, wholesale uh, business is still is, is still uh, the way, the only That's way, basically the only option uh, to yeah. to go. Yeah, if you don't have the ex- the in-house uh, digital marketing, social marketing expertise, um, and maybe you don't have the the branding or creative direction uh, stuff right. as well, then you really have to rely on those retailers to lift you up and, and to put you out there. Yeah. And, and so you have to sell wholesale. Mm. Where they are basically curating uh, your your brand, brand. right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they're they're sort of giving you a little bit of their brand. They're loaning exactly. their brand to yes. you for a little bit until you can build yours. And then maybe within three or four years, or depending on how sex successful you are, then you can start to look at, oh, should we in-house some of this? Should we do this? And, and so I think right. that's, a, yeah, but you're right. I think that's a good model. Um, so, so you could you could say it's so so push if we talk push and pull in marketing. Push is still there. Yeah, right? yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. More than what I anticipated. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think also there's more room to push in a I would say more brand building way. Um, I actually had a conversation with one of our strategists, Andy, yesterday about this. That like so many things right now are branding. Like they're not, the push messaging are, are not like high conversion, buy this, buy mm-hmm. this now. Right. Everything seems to be branding, yeah, which softer. is, yeah, which is very, very interesting. Everything's like, okay, we want to go entertainment. We want to like inspire and, 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 and sort of like, you know, really woo the customer mm. with, with mm. these ideas. And I'm like, that's that's an interesting. That's marketing having its impact, I guess. Well, it's marketing on, like kind of going back to old school yeah. stuff, where it's like, you know, maybe not old school, but like so this sort of '60s, '70s sort of vibe, which is very much like, okay, we're build a brand, build a brand. Yeah. That's all we're doing: build a brand, yeah. build awareness, build right. attention, and then sales will will come. Like people will find you, and if they yeah. if they buy into your branding, then they'll buy into you, mm. um, which I think is very. Very interesting, and it's also very challenging because branding is expensive. Like, yeah, yeah, and that's probably why you're seeing this sort of switch to more wholesale because yeah. they go. Yeah. Can can businesses learn anything post this COVID experience that's still going on, obviously in parts of the world, but during because that significantly changed physical and online experiences, right? Um, have you guys can I have your input on that? Well, uh, I can. We can take one. Uh, Don't take us back to well, 2000. <laughs> no, I'll take you back uh, to the to the COVID 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 period. To the first in March COVID. of 2019, I was in Singapore. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> not this time. Well, uh, let's take a, a retailer, no, well-known retailer in Denmark yeah. called uh, Bane. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. They have a, a lot of uh, shops yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, they were doing quite well in terms of, of uh, online business, mm. but uh, they are, are well known for their physical multi-brand stores. And again here, I was predicting that uh, multi-brand would be out of business. Yeah. And uh, here we have a, a retailer being extremely successful with uh, offline uh, multi-brand retailing. Yeah. And uh, they decided um, during COVID, because their business was basically closed down, mm. to um, be more dedicated to uh, to the online business uh, 
mm-hmm. and uh, they basically did what would take uh, five years. They did that within uh, five months yeah. in terms of transformation. Mm. And um, and what they decided was that previously, like online, was following the marketing initiatives from from um, uh, offline uh, business. Yeah. So online just had to you know follow suit. And uh, they just decided from one day to the other that now uh, online marketing is basically uh, running the show uh, yeah. and then driving driving the business. Mm. And then uh, the offline uh, activities uh, would just have to, to follow suit. Yeah. So, and that, that, has, uh, that has basically caused the transformation for uh, a mainly uh, offline brick and mortar uh, multi-brand retailer in, in Denmark uh, into being um, extremely successful yeah. with, um, within online, but not just online sales uh, f- uh, through their web shop or e-commerce shop, mm-hmm. uh, but also other areas uh, like uh, events, Uh, online shopping events, which is also something which, okay, I can take you back to almost to Singapore now again. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, <laughs> at least uh, uh, some 20 years ago, yeah. we uh, we had something called TV shopping. Yeah, remember QVC, Q- QVC yeah, for yeah. instance, yeah. which is uh, very well known uh, in 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 the US and in yeah. in Canada. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was known as a as a well. Not an upscale distribution. No, not at all. But uh, but yeah. quite successful. <laughs> and um, it was this late night sort of like, okay, I need these knives <laughs> that can cut through my shoes. Exactly. Give yes. me these knives that yes. cut every one of my shoes up. But you, I, I mean, you, when you I was didn't hit that wave, right? Uh, oh, I was Did I was you? I've been alive for that, but I don't think I ever yeah, shopped you're, anything. You're a little bit too I was young too young. That, right? I didn't have yeah. a credit card for that. But I mean, like if I did, I would probably That would be dangerous. Been <laughs> but anyway, t- taking you back to those days uh, of of TV shopping, mm. we have the same. It's just uh, it's just online in, in, instead, mm. uh, which is uh, a growing channel, uh, yeah. which is also if you take a banner as an example, mm. and many other retailers, they had to reinvent themselves uh, within uh, within two weeks uh, yeah. during COVID. Yeah. And uh, what what do we actually do with our with our um, uh, with our summer collection, which will be out of fashion in in, in three months? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How are we going to sell that? And they started to have live shopping, uh, and that was uh, developed from yeah from nothing to uh, to a very interesting uh, business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see uh, a company like uh, like Boost. Yeah. They have just acquired a uh, a company within uh, live shopping. To also be part of that segment, yeah. if you look at um, at the retailer Power, mm-hmm. they are doing extremely well in uh, within uh, live shopping. Yeah, we definitely see that trend here as well. Like uh, uh, we do a lot of TikTok business here, and TikTok live shopping is, of course, like been released to a few different partners. A couple of our clients actually have it, and and I mean that works extremely well also on Facebook. Um, live shopping there is working. Right. I just read a story this morning. I think it was from Elias.dk, where they went live within the first hour. They sold a hundred thousand Danish krone worth of product mm. in an hour, right. like yeah. just live Power shopping. Also, yeah, like yeah. Yeah. doing a lot so, of that. And I think that that comes down to like it, it, we talked a little bit actually at the beginning, which is like humans. Like that is the constant right. yes. throughout this, and and humans like to see product they like to feel products just seeing it in the web shop mm. you know in these glossy photos it doesn't necessarily give you a real sense of what is right. this but still as soon as you, too still too too did two dimensional yeah exactly so when you come live with it you go hey this is you know shitty quality cameras like 
here's what it is, here's the fabric, here's the whatever it is, here's the right. buttons, here's the, and people go, okay, that's interesting, I like that, let's, yeah. let's buy and, that. And also the, the local perspective, uh, that's also something we, yeah. we saw during uh, COVID, mm. that you became more loyal to uh, the local community. Yeah. spending the money and yeah, uh, supporting yeah, yeah. the local community yeah. that's also within live shopping like yeah. you see a lot of uh, yeah, low quality live shopping mm. events mm. being extremely successful so yeah. it's not just the, the big uh, the big guys doing this like right. the boost uh, doing it in a very professional way yeah. but uh, the local retailer still has a, has a good chance uh, that uh, here's Linda showing the, the latest yeah. uh, address yeah. uh, and so on and uh, yeah, that's also that, so that's a, that's a new sales channel mm. yeah. or it's an old sales channel like Compromise. TV shopping yeah. just uh, in, into the online media instead yeah. of uh, yeah. of the TV yeah, yeah what challenges absolutely. can there be when they, you do live shopping even though it can be low quality or whatever lo-fi but have you seen any success stories and then what's the challenges here as well well on the success side i can just tell you from a mechanic standpoint that mm -hmm. that uh the channels facebook instagram TikTok, whatever it is they're pushing the live thing and yeah. they also continue to like so for example if you just post something on your instagram feed the reach is going to be pretty low yeah. right like but for Instagram Live, they're notifying people mm. this person's going live. So that's the that's kind of the only unless you turn notifications on. That's kind of like the only thing that is really pushing you mm. to go and interact with the brand on social channels. And this is across all Facebook, Instagram, yeah. YouTube, all that. So that's an interesting thing from a mechanic standpoint. Is like mm. this gives you this puts you to the front of the line when it comes to attention. Yeah. Um, so that's a success thing, which I think is nice. I think what I've seen is it's all over the map. You have these really professional live streams that are like, you know, super done up QVC style, like in the studio. Mm. And then you have these ones that are just this. Yeah. Just somebody with their iPhone. And they're like, hey, look at this lipstick and like, mm. look at this mascara and look yeah. at this. And they both succeed. It yeah. works. It's like, yeah. Yeah what is going what on here it, it's yeah. like but i think it also comes down to personality i mean you really have to have a good yeah, tv mean, personality that's sitting there yeah. i mean we are in a professional setup making uh, this uh, podcast yeah. podcast yeah. right and um but you also have podcasts uh, with uh, a lousy quality <laughs> or yeah, if, yeah. if you go to the b2b uh, portal linkedin yeah. where i'm doing most of of, of my business uh, it is known that if you look too professional on a video people don't want to see it and if you have advertising and if you have a company logo on your video mm. uh, it's a no-go right yeah. so the more unprofessional it is and the, the more the more uh, you shake with the camera and, and uh, so on yeah the better it is the more personal it is you mm. show that you're a human being right yeah that's so interesting right or the way you yeah you talk about stuff if you can see that the person is not really prepared, but mm. he's passionate about or she's passionate mm. about something. Yeah. It, it works much better. Yeah. Do you think it depends on the brand? Um, not the brand, maybe the product itself. I don't know. Is there some product that's you know more meant to be hi-fi, and then some product that's like it only well, works? It depends if it's on the brand. Like I think yeah. like if you're B and O, banging all of a sudden, yeah. I yeah. don't think you want to go live with something that's a little half baked. <laughs> I think you want to go pretty hard and heavy with it. Bad in video, but really good audio. <laughs> And yeah, I think exactly. <laughs> That's a funny concept, actually. Like, we should be like, hey, the audio is spot on with the bang and all of a sudden. But I mean, obviously, they're selling visual products as well. But yeah. but I do think, like, it depends on the brand. And I think it also depends on the personality. I think you can kind of get away with a, a 
not so great host if you mm. have a little bit higher production quality and but then so that's you, what you, we do here yeah. <laughs> you can yeah, yeah we lift the production quality i mean if you look at, at luxury brands like bno or prada or i used yeah. to be uh, be uh, selling luxury fur yeah that was before the industry was uh, closed down in in denmark yeah and i traveled around the world china japan korea uh, and also the us and uh, Live shopping can also be done uh, in in a brick and mortar environment, because uh, personal shopping is is mm. uh, most of uh, luxury sales today yeah. is actually done uh, on a personal shopper level. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's the main sales channel in Japan for top luxury brands. Because somebody sends somebody else. Out that's there uh, that's done with a personal shopper yeah. from the department stores. They have uh, 260 department stores in, in Japan. Yeah. And um, uh, <coughs> the lady from the customer uh, will go with a with a personal shopper to this uh, shopping event, typically at a hotel, yeah. and buy her luxury stuff at, uh, at this hotel event. Okay. Or at the Danish embassy or whatever. And... Uh, i have done trunk shows uh, within the luxury business so i travel with my 20 luxury furs uh, across the pond and uh, got through customs uh, and uh, did three days at um, Saks fifth avenue in uh, in chicago in uh, in uh, new york uh, and um, in houston yeah they sell a lot of fur in Houston. <laughs> uh, well, I, that was a, that was the first question I asked when yeah, I got yeah. in when I got into the first studio, uh, yeah. and it was uh, pretty hot outside. Yeah, and uh, I said, "Do you sell fur uh, here in Houston? We sell fur all year round." <laughs> 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 I don't know what that means, but it, I like it. And, and that, that, that is personal shopping, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, in, okay. in a physical environment uh, yeah. where uh, the, the, the personal shopper will call mm. up uh, uh, his or her customers and say, hey, I just uh, got in this uh, crazy Dane with uh, some luxury furs, hand-produced, blah, blah, blah. Uh, come and yeah. see. I have reserved one model. I know it will fit you very well. And this uh, rich lady comes in and... Uh, she yeah. would buy the fur. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of different sales formats. Yeah. And and I mean, those ideas, uh, those initiatives uh, are now coming true also on uh, online, online medias like yeah. uh, like TikTok, right? It's just yeah. another target group than yeah. the old lady in Houston. But, mm. uh, yeah, maybe not. Like and, and we, we actually, we, watching <laughs> we, we, I also did the events at the Danish embassy in, in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Japan. Mm. And... Uh, these very old ladies would come and and we always discussed would uh, she had like 22 first at home right uh, and uh, she really need a new one <laughs> was yeah but that was not does she really need, need a new one that was not the question to no. ask it was it was rather would this be her last fur oh, oh no <laughs> <laughs> well. that's that's not a, that's a, yeah when you're that age it's like that's uh pass it on yeah it's, uh, yes. it's kind of yes. <laughs> sustainable yes. but this be your last fur. <laughs> this would be the last fur you own that's like, exactly yeah. Yeah. yes it's yeah. a bit scary but yeah, so a happens. lot of sales formats and a lot of these are being transformed into uh to digital, digital platform yeah. digital yeah. platforms right. just that constant is human yeah the human constant mm. that yes. goes through right right what would you guys then uh this this might be my uh, last question depends on what uh, what you <laughs> elaborate la- on did my you last did question? you ask any questions <laughs> at all right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah okay um, what would you guys advise then the marketers out there um to better utilize digital nowadays 
Uh, what would I advise mm-hmm. to better use digital? Okay, it's hard when you do generalizations. In fashion. But in, in, fashion. In, in fashion. In fashion. I can limit that down. I think that there's two methodologies, right? There's like the Shane types, which are like fast fashion that mm-hmm. need to basically pump out tons of content, tons of ideas, tons of ways of working. Mm-hmm. Or there's the more sort of big push style, which is more going back to campaign style, which is like we want to do something really brand mm-hmm. building, really interesting and go that way. And I think that... Um, my advice would be to find which one works best for you. Do you want to be always on content, engaging with your community, building a brand that way, using a lot of user-generated content? Mm. Or do you want to be the other way, which is probably more like bigger campaign, yeah. bolder ideas sort of thing. So yeah. you just have to kind of choose yeah. which direction you want to go and, and sort of own it and stick yeah. with it. And um, you're not locked in for life. Right? No, like you can always change media, it up. You can always like, change it, but yeah. try something, right? And but stick at least to tr- it a while. try a methodology that sort yeah. of works for you. And then I would say like, you need to invest in brand building and you need to invest in, in you know, social channels just on their own won't do it. You need to explore other ways. You need Omnichannel. to like, yeah, you need to look at Omnichannel. You need to have an idea of how do you do like, online how do you do like a live stream thing but how, how do you also like do in-store stuff and how do you do yeah. like physical stuff because you need to look at what's working and what you what do your customers actually want yeah, yeah. i think um my advice would be to understand the the toolbox of uh, omni channel mm. retailing and um to um engage in in understanding uh showrooming and um, web rooming yeah. and these two um, trends uh, how they uh, mix into each other and how they support each other where uh, showrooming is um, is a trend where consumers uh, visit the stores to uh, touch and feel uh, the mm-hmm. products mm. uh, but up to purchase them uh, online yeah. and uh, web rooming is uh, the opposite yeah okay and um, and that those those two concepts are basically a, a result of shipping uh, shifting consumer habits, right? So um, I think it's important f- to understand that uh, offline and online uh, work together. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes uh, it you may not see the results in in the uh, online store in terms of your investments because uh, it could be that. Uh, the results would show off in your uh, in your brick and mortar shop. True, yeah. And um, without going too much into detail, but uh, a lot of uh, of um, uh, studies have have been made, and it shows that um, uh, consumers are likely to look at a at a product uh, online and buy it in store. Yeah, that that's mm. rather than the, like rather the than the other way around. Yeah. And of course, there are different uh, parameters. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are people buying offline? Why are people buying online? But don't underestimate the power of uh, both being uh, online mm. and being uh, offline. Yeah. And don't get uh, frustrated if you don't get the sales results on one of the platforms. Right. Yeah. If there's a spillover effect uh, mm. from one of the initiatives to the other channel, that's fine. Mm-hmm. How you measure it, that's another story. That's a difficult part. That's a difficult one, yeah. right? So that that would be, um, and again here you see the big uh, you see the big uh, 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 onliners, whether it's uh, um, 
It's uh, Amazon, it's uh, Boost. Uh, they all built their brick and mortar shops as yeah. well, right? Yeah. So, so uh, even onlineers we thought would be completely only online, mm-hmm. they're also going brick and mortar. Yeah. That's something yeah. I didn't uh, anticipate. anticipate at all, yeah, right? So, so, yeah. so it's coming full circle, yeah. right? Like yes. it's, it's, it's full circle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a good so. uh, expression. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Let me summarize this episode for you. We talked about the transformation of sales and marketing over the years, and we can see that the previous challenges in fashion and jewelry industry were expanding markets and growing sales internationally. And now it's actually transitioning from wholesale, multi-brand retailer to own flagship store or franchise models with local knowledge. So this helps brands with getting access directly to their customers. What businesses can learn from the COVID experience is that the marketing strategies have shifted from physical to digital within the fashion industry. Attracting customers has changed from applying a push models to taking a brand approach, a branding approach. So in today's world, brands focus on making people buy into your brand by inspiring, inspiring information or entertaining them. And that will eventually bring in your customers. So more soft KPIs. So the ways that we sell has changed. For example, with live shopping, both professional and unprofessional lo-fi content can work. So in fact, the more um, lo-fi it is, the more personal it can seem. And within the luxury fashion, personal shopping has also developed a physical to digital platform, including live luxury shopping with a personal shopper, for instance. So the last advice we have for uh, marketers in fashion is go for always user-generated content or big bold campaigns to build your brand. You can pick up your strat you can pick your strategy direction and Chris's advice is to invest and build your brand. And then of course Hendrik mentioned that we have to understand the toolbox of omnichannel retailing. So engage in understanding both web rooming and showrooming and then how the trend mix and support each other. Due to customer shift in habits with the use of off and online. As a brand, you need to understand how these work together. So lastly, don't underestimate the power of both being present online and offline. So here you have it. Thank you guys for tuning in and stay tuned for next one. See you guys. Bye. This has been the Social Media Sucks Podcast.